Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Well, I feel if, if I were just to guess, I would think it's because Donald Trump believes he's responsible for And he's Ron not DeSantis. getting the credit. Yeah. Got it. Um, but DeSantis has actually been pulling in millions of dollars from former donors to President Trump. Now, this is specifically for his reelection bid for governor, not a, not a presidential run. But it is a sign, maybe, that some of the people who were supporting President Trump back in 2020 and 2016 may have sort of shifted away from him and are looking towards Ron DeSantis. I think it may say more about them seeing him as a viable candidate because of his affiliation with Trump, mm. and they're just spreading it around to him for the first time. Uh, some water news. Lake Oroville, which is, of course, is the largest reservoir in our state system, has already reached its peak level for the year. That's not a giant surprise. The bigger surprise is that it was May 8th that it reached that peak. Now, now they're saying it's 51% of capacity right now. It is 66% of its historical average for this point in the year. In fact, Northern California has seen more rain than we've seen here in Southern California. This year's peak water level was about 400,000 acre feet above last year's highest point. So that's good news for Lake Oroville. President Biden is considering a gas tax holiday as prices at the pump don't get any better. He said he's considering a temporary halt in the federal gas tax. Of course, this is ahead of the July 4th holiday where people are said to be hitting the road in record numbers. The federal gas tax is about 18 cents per gallon. The national average price for regular is a cute 4.96 a gallon. Oh, look at that cute little 4.96. If you want evidence that the California state legislature needs to be completely voted out and replaced, this is a perfect example of it. State lawmakers, led by Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, announced a legislative inquiry to determine if oil companies are ripping off drivers. Okay, Now, he is saying that this Assembly Select Committee will consider what measures the state can enact to reduce gas prices, to stand up to the profiteers who are abusing an historic situation to suck profits from California's wallets. This is the point. These committee hearings are expected to begin not two months ago, not four months ago, in the coming weeks. And guess how long they're going to run? Probably through November. Wait a minute. Here's another thing that adds to the idea that this is just an absolute game being played. This reporter out of Bakersfield was at the state capitol yesterday when Anthony Rendon was making this announcement. And one of the questions that kept coming up was, what about this relief, this gas pain price relief that's been talked about by the governor, by other Democrats in the legislature, where you drop a couple hundred bucks into people's bank accounts or give them a gas card or something like that? What, what is the plan for that? Speaker Rendon. People have been hearing very, very soon for a very, very long time. Is there a, a date or a month that you can give us in terms of when people might see relief? 
Well, again, we're following the normal normal course of the budget. Um, the way the disbursement would work with respect to rebates, uh, there are some ideas about a debit card, some ideas about a check. There's also direct deposit through FTB is the third option that we're considering. Uh, all those have different timelines, uh, but it would be cer certainly something uh, something before October. October. The before October. Here's the problem. The oil companies are very crafty, right? There's uh, They've cornered the market. There's, what, six big oil families? And it's the executives that make all the money. I think a couple of them made about $3.1, $3.5 million just in raises last year alone. But if you open up the books of the companies themselves, you'll find that they were hit hard with the pandemic. You'll find that they had put in the orders for oil like they naturally would, and then we had the shutdown and the oil kept pumping because it's not as easy as just going to these oil rigs and, and turning them off. Um, and so they had this glut of oil, and then it, it, they were operating. They still had to operate the, the refineries and the people, and they were operating in the red for a time. So if you were just to open up the oil company's books, you'd be like, oh, I don't see a lot of wiggle room, at least not yet. Right. But if you were to open up the executives portfolios and the raises they got, you'd be like, oh, that's where we could actually have gotten some relief. But that's not going to ever happen because they are the oil executives, the most powerful people in the country, probably. Now, Republicans, the, the four Republicans that there are in Sacramento, have said that they should temporarily suspend the 51% gallon excise tax on gasoline, including that increase that, by the way, is scheduled for, what, nine days from now? Uh, that's scheduled to go into effect July 1st, saying that that would provide immediate relief to California drivers, which it would, although it's still, I mean, on a, for example, on a $100 tank of gas, my wife filled, I showed you that, didn't I? My wife yeah. filled up the uh, the car for 100 bucks. That was the last the day you let her drive. We do not use that car anymore. No. Um, but our bicycles are fully lubed and ready to go. <laughs> um, but uh, if you 51 cents per gallon, I'm only going to save about $7.5 on that tank of gas, for example. It is something, and in fact, it is a... It is a move that if Governor Newsom were to do it, would I think score him so many political points? Maybe not the impact that people are looking for, like you're going to get a huge break on your gas, you know, fill in your gas tank every week. But the movement, the fact that you then say to the people of California, you know what, I trust you to do with that 51 cents a gallon what you want to do with it. Let it make an impact in your household, as opposed to saying you can't be trusted with 51 cents. I need to take it. We that's, need I don't to think determine that's, where it goes. I, I don't think that's what it's about. I don't think it's about the power of, I get to say where your money goes. It's about the power of the oil lobbyists. And if he said F and U to the oil companies and the gas tax enthusiasts, he'd been saying F and U to millions of dollars for his presidential campaign. He's got to keep hmm. the special interests happy. That's what it's about. Um, Assemblymember Kevin Kiley, a Republican out of Rockland, who did run for governor last year during the recall. Uh, he's a complete nerd, but he's a very, very smart guy. And he's running for Congress, I think. I'm not even sure if he made it to pass the primary. I have to check that. But he said that other states have already suspended gas taxes and brought immediate l relief to drivers. Um, and like you said at the beginning of the segment, President Biden is thinking about all of this. 
Kylie said, it's pretty amazing the level of gymnastics that the supermajority and governor here are willing to do to avoid taking the easiest, simplest, most meaningful, and most common sense step that's available to us in the gas tax holiday that would be for the state of California. I mean, when you just look at, and this is just a cursory search into Gavin Newsom's relationship with the oil industry, but uh, in just the first six months of his administration, he approved twice as many fracking permits as his predecessor did. He's been handing out these contracts, these, you know, cutting the red tape for these guys because they have lined his campaign pockets. Yeah. We are less than a month away from the deadline to get the signatures in order to put the recall of George Gascon on the ballot in November. We have talked to numerous DAs about the importance of, you know, prosecuting people in L.A. County and actually doing the job that a DA should do. And that has not been the case since he swept into office with, unfortunately, very harmful sweeping directives. Officer Dion Joseph has worked for the LAPD for more than 25 years, most of them on Skid Row. He joins us now. He's not talking for the LAPD. He's just talking for the community that he has sworn to protect. Officer Joseph, thanks for taking time for us today. Oh, glad to be here. Um, I, I was watching a couple of videos that you've put uh, on Twitter um, expressing yourself and, like you've said, making sure that you do it uh, out of uniform. You're speaking for yourself and not for the agency that you work for. But the, the term, there was a phrase that you used, which I, I think put it very succinctly about your feelings about George Gascon and his job as district attorney. You said it was a complete and total betrayal of public safety. Uh, and you were saying that in the context of the officers uh, from El Monte who were murdered last week. How how do you how do you find it within you to do the job when someone who is in a position of power like that above where you are doesn't appear to be supporting your idea of what is law and order? Uh, it's completely frustrating. First of all, I want to say uh, rest in peace to Officer Michael Paredes and. Uh, Officer Jose Santana, and just to your families, you're in my constant prayers. I pray for you daily. Uh, it's making our job extremely hard because uh, I've always said that when you give the criminal element, element one inch, they're going to take three yards. And within those three yards, there are precious lives that get lost. There are businesses that are getting closed down. But the most important thing is the loss of life, whether it be a law enforcement officer just doing their job or it's just a private citizen going to a club or a business owner trying to run a business getting robbed repeatedly by individuals who now are so emboldened by the news that they have a, a, a DA that's so lenient and on their side that they're even coming from other parts of the county and the country to come down here and engage in crime. And for me, it's hard because I, where I work, I work with the homeless community. I can't say where I work, but I care about those people. And those, what I'm finding when I talk to those individuals, they want justice too. I remember having the busiest cell phone in the city because people believed that we could help them. Now I barely get calls, and when I go to meetings and ask why, you guys have all these complaints, but you're not calling. I said, because we know your hands are tied. We know the guy that assaulted me is going to be out the next day. And when I see this, that's, when I, that's what I mean by a complete betrayal uh, of public safety, not just for cops, but even citizens as well, whether you're living on Skid Row 
or whether you're living in the Palisades, it's affecting everybody. Everybody needs to come together and change these circumstances. Leslie Zrebny talked about it just a week before she was shot and killed in the line of duty out in the desert areas. Told her dad, you know, we're arresting these guys. They're laughing at us because they know that they're just going to be right back out there. They're going to go get their picture taken and then they're back to commit more crime. How does that affect morale for what you do and, and the helplessness you must feel not being able to fully execute your your job and, and your oath? It's, it's Once again, it's very disheartening. It's very frustrating. I've talked to officers all across this country on, on many platforms and what the general consensus is. Uh, we don't even get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. By the time the ink dries on our reports, the individual who's arrested, whether it be for a property crime or some violent crimes, they're out before the ink dries, and it's deflating. As, as See, when I look at law enforcement in this matter, I don't relish in taking somebody's freedom. Matter of fact, I take that very seriously. That's why I do my job at Honor and Integrity, and most of us do. Uh, what I believe in law enforcement for is when I arrest somebody who's causing pain to the community repeatedly, I want the community to feel some relief from their activity. When these individuals get out, whether it's a burglary or assault with a deadly weapon or battery, it emboldens them and, 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 and lets them know that, hey, I could pretty much do whatever I want and there's going to be either no consequences or even if I'm found guilty, I'm just going to get slapped on a wrist and put on probation like this suspect was who murdered those two officers, who was already on probation for a gun charge, slapped on the wrist, did 20 days in jail. And what did he learn from that? That I can do this stand on my head. I can continue to be the criminal that I am. And it resulted in the death of two. It is not a stretch to say that these policies are responsible for the death of two officers and people all across L.A. County. And we have to realize that this is not a left or right thing. This is not a political thing for me. I care about the people I serve. I care about my family, my friends, the members of my church. I care about these people, and heaven forbid something should happen to them. I want a district attorney who cares about empowering them and getting them justice more than coddling the individuals who caused the destruction in this county. And I really hope people have awakened up to this. I know people want to refer forms, but I know they didn't want anarchy, and that's what we're getting right now. Yeah, that's, it's just it's one of the frustrating aspects of even having a conversation about this, because the idea of criminal justice reform should always be talked about. There should always be some uh, a discussion of things that we can do better. But this is not a discussion. This was uh, these were blanket policies that were brought in the day that he was sworn in. And we see the absolute recklessness uh, of these policies played out, unfortunately, now with the loss of lives. Yeah, it's the loss of lives. And even if we and it's still it's very important to try to ensure we get this man removed from office. But we're still going to be dealing with policies like 47 to 57. So the first step is is getting the man who's right now in charge of public safety, who's not thinking about public safety out, in my opinion, and then we all have to work and realize that we were sold a bunch of lemons with 47 and 57. And we all, as voters, need to come together, work together to either amend or get rid of those laws so that we can get back as law enforcement to improving quality of life and keeping people safe uh, at a higher click than we are right now. Because I'm just telling the public the struggle is real. The struggle is so real and it's frustrating. Your, your officer, I know I talk to officers all the time. We want to make a difference. It's just hard. Officer Dion Joseph, of course, public speaker. He has authored a number of books. He's a community policing expert, homeless advocate. 
And uh, thank you for your time. Uh, very well said, unfortunately. You can follow him at Officer Dion Joseph. That's D-E-O-N Joseph on social media. Thank you, Officer. We appreciate it. Take care. Uh, also a great follow on Twitter. Uh, OFCR, Officer Dion Joseph. OFCR, Dion Joseph. And sleep is so critical... Sorry, sleep is so critical. So for those who don't sleep well together, it's fantastic to sleep separately. Have sex, cuddle, talk, read, etc. in the same bed. Then when it's time to sleep only, head to the other room. Uh, sorry, head to the other bed or other room. Trust me, it's a lifesaver for those who aren't deep sleepers. Uh, that's what I said. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm sure it's great for some people. It's just, I don't think it would be for me. That's all. Isn't there a point where to you have to own. learn how to how to you learn that part of the bed sharing at some point? Well, That's maybe part you don't of the sleep with a monster like the rest of us do. Oh, hold on, texting. <laughs> I'm actually probably much more of the monster. Uh, we've seen at least 230 cancellations of flights into or within the United States today. Uh, that's on top of 10, uh, 2,000 delays. Most of them are, I shouldn't say most of them, but the one of the hardest hit airports is going to be Newark in, in New Jersey. Um, as of right now, it looks like Delta and American are the ones that have had to Cancel the most flights today, 46, 43, respectively. In South uh, Southwest Airlines headquarters there in Dallas, I believe it is, there were pilots walking the picket lines. They were upset, not walking the picket lines, but at least having a demonstration saying they were upset with the hours that they have been working and the uh, lack of overtime. So this is... Uh, this is not going to get any better anytime soon. That is the uh, the travel problems that we've seen. I have a I have a quick breaking news. Get it. Um, guess who's finally retiring? Nancy Pelosi. Wait, I can't believe you didn't know this. This is a sports story. I'm breaking news on this show. Finally retiring. About football? And it makes no sense. Who is it? Not Matt Money Smith. No. Gronkowski. Oh. But Rob is Gronkowski. He? Well, I've, that, I've read this it, story before. <laughs> he posted something on Instagram. He said, in college, Gronk was asked to write about a dream. Uh, Gronk won't pursue where football play. Every time I Gronk write about future, I pick professional football. For that assignment, Gronk say Tampa for sunny weather. Anyway, he talks on, on why he loves playing in Tampa. Everybody that's replying to it is saying this is only this is only because he doesn't want to do spring camp totally. or training camp. Exactly. He's just, he'll come in. He'll answer either, the phone in late August. Yes, week one he'll be there, or <laughs> you know, week six or whatever. There's probably a line. He's somewhere. not as dumb as he sounds. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't that. know about that either. Gronk like sunshine. Oh my goodness, what a mess! Could you imagine? Uh, let me play these uh, quick things. Uh, sleep divorce is what we're talking about. People who spend the night in rooms other than, or bed, other than the one with their partner. Gronk like bed. <laughs> I've been married 30 years. My husband snores like a drunken sailor. I would be a demented mess if I didn't go into another room. So try it. That's the other issue, and you brought it up. Who leaves? If, well, you got to wake up the snorer. Well, you're already awake. So, I mean, if you've got a, a solid bed in another room, it's fine, right? 
I guess. I'm more of in a sleep separation where I usually will come to bed about three or four o'clock. And uh, up until then, I'll sleep on the couch. My husband will do that. He'll fall asleep on the couch reading, but then he'll always come to bed. Yes, I can tell you, Gary and Shannon, at times when he is snoring so bad, yes, he gets the heck out of the bed. But that's only so that we don't hate each other in the morning. Right. He snores really bad, but he also is a very light sleeper and he tosses and turns, et cetera, et cetera. He has no problem going someplace else to do what he needs to do. But it, we're still together after 23, 24 years, so I guess it must be working. My mom is a really bad snorer, and I didn't know this. It's apparently a recent development. Mm -hmm. And most recently when we stayed in a hotel together and she was snoring all night. I mean, I don't think I, – I maybe slept for an hour and a half towards maybe 5.36 she started or stopped. Um <laughs> And she felt terrible. She felt so bad. And I wasn't mad at her because you have no control over it. What is she going to do? How is she going to stop it? Because I was like rolling her onto her side, all the tricks of the trade. Nothing was stopping that. Kicking her. But uh, I wasn't mad. I was just kind of like, what? what is she going to do? How is she going to control that? I guess. And that? if you're not used to it, it's going right. to be pretty jarring. Anyway. Um, there was a, a New York Times article uh, about the growing number of California cities that are opening weed cafes, that these businesses be, appear to be part of the, some wave of the, the next wave of the weed industry. Um, they're opening in West Hollywood and San Francisco and Palm Springs and smaller places. They even – the picture that they used for the story was out of Ojai. Um, Apparently you can just – Order a pre-rolled joint from the menu, light up at your table. You can order a dark chocolate infused with cannabis. Well, I have a question about that part of it. So my understanding is you start uh, getting into those edibles, whether it's candy or cookie or whatever. They're not all level five DEFCON. You're no, going to no. be uh, <laughs> no, you're not stuck in a chewing stone your own body. lips off. But, right. but, but the idea that it doesn't it take a long time for it to hit you? I mean, is it going to be a good 60, 90 minutes before you even feel anything? Yeah, I don't know enough, but I think nowadays they have ones that are more fast acting or not. I mean, who knows? You go to a bar and you order a drink. Sometimes it takes a while for you to... Yeah, but that's, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And right. you can sit there if you're watching a game or having a conversation, but... Sure, I mean, you're doing the same thing at the cannabis bar. You're having a conversation. For 90 minutes, I got to talk to somebody? I don't think it's 90 minutes. I think it's like a half an hour, 45 minutes. I have a hard enough time in here with you. You're going to start saying that out loud? I already know when you think that. You could hear that? I don't know. <laughs> Jacob, I thought we were going to turn the microphones off when I started saying <laughs> stupid stuff. We are going to do, we going to do, we are going to talk a little bit about self-care coming up uh, at 1220. And there is, I do think we should at some point actually have the self-care wellness kind of segment where we talk about stuff like nutrition and exercise. And, but some of these are so, so ridiculous. Yeah, The idea really that we... There are simple things that we can do to take care of ourselves and our bodies, et cetera. And then there are ridiculous things that people do to take care of themselves and their bodies. Mondo, will you please ask Clay to build us a self-help care desk? I got it. That's very nice. Don't know where he was calling from. But 
Um, there is a, a story out of uh, the Wall Street Journal. 300,000 public school teachers and staff left the field between February of 2020 and May of 2022. That's about a 3% drop in the workforce. We have friends and their daughter is a school teacher and listening to them describe what she had to do during remote learning was exhausting. Just listening to it. She had some kids there once in a while. Other kids never came in. Sometimes they all came in. The rules changed everywhere. Uh, they had to do different lesson plans. They had it was it was a mess. I mean, keeping kids on the same curriculum is hard enough. But when you have this patchwork at home schooling thing, it just it was it sounded like a complete nightmare. And it was and it was thankless too. I mean, those teachers who were able to pull it together and do it and succeed and not allow the kids to, you know, fall as far behind as others did, they did it without thanks a lot of times. The other thing is to that point, people don't know how to act anymore. Right. Parents are going after teachers for things that are unnecessary. The kids are acting out. There's no discipline the way they used to be, according to the anecdotes. Um, as schools have back uh, filled back up with students, um, other stressors have apparently emerged beyond just the teaching challenge of the, of the pandemic. Um, staffing shortfalls that were created by all of this, the masking policies and what they have to enforce and don't have to enforce. I mean, they were put in the position of a lot of flight attendants probably where how do you get a six-year-old to keep their mask on appropriately? Yeah. Political battles about what teachers can and can't talk about or discuss in the classroom. Um, Wendy Greider is a 49-year-old teacher up in Rockland, just uh, outside of Sacramento. And she said she watched parents over the past year take to social media to criticize the teachers in the district for homework assignments. See, that's what I'm saying. It's It, it seems like that is more of the norm. You know, when when... If I had to complain about my teacher, my parents would talk to me about it and be like, well, then you fix it. You know, just fix yeah. your behavior. It well, wouldn't be something that the teacher did wrong. And the majority of the times, I mean, the the, the uh, back to school nights and the uh, 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 get to know the teacher nights and things like that, the teachers at, at our kids' high school all said, hey, listen, if if there's a problem, if there's anything – the student has to come to me first. The student is the one who's got to help try to fix the situation. And listen, we all know high school kids. We all know teenagers. 95% of the time, the problem is the kid, right? Either they're lying about what homework was due or they didn't know or they didn't do it or they didn't understand the assignment. Uh, or they're just making stuff up because they're lazy and they want to get out of it. There are times when you do have to come to the rescue of your kids. There are times when your kid is 100% in the right and the teacher needs to be told that or the administrator or whatever. But those are the rare occasions, the rare situations when that happens. Um, they're talking about the, the teachers that are stretched by staff shortfalls, especially in places like science and math and special education and early childhood education. 44% of public schools, 44% said they have full or part-time teaching vacancies at the start of the year. More than half of the schools said those vacancies were due to resignations and had required them to rely more on non-teaching staff outside their regular duties. I have uh, my sister is a teacher. My brother-in-law is a teacher. My mother was a teacher for a long time before she became an administrator. And they have all, all of the ones I know who are teachers, all of the people I know, do it because of the impact of the kids, the impact that they have on the kids and that the kids have on them.
There, I don't know anybody who does it for the money or the vacation times. My dad did it for the pension. He'll be honest with it. I mean, he enjoyed it, and the kids loved him. Right. But uh, initially, he got into the profession because of the pension. Well, it's listen. It's a it's a good it's a honest sure day's work. It's it's not a bad calculation to make. Sure. So, all right, we'll talk trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. 